0: Hey guys, welcome to episode five of the Surf Coast Creatives Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Hucker. With me today, Jess Mellington, hostess with the mostess. Welcome, Jess. Thanks, Ben. Very excited to have our first blacksmith on the show today. We're out at um, the magnificent Ashmore Arts Precinct, I guess you would call it, out in Torquay. Welcome, Dave Graham from Simply Forge Custom Ironworks. G'day. How you going, Ben? Jess? Good. Thanks, Dave. A little bit cold out here in the workshop this morning. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was a bit chilly before we uh, fired up the forges, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, winter has come on very strong, that's for sure, so really excited to chat with you today. Obviously, a little bit different um, in terms of business and what you do and all the rest. We haven't spoken to a blacksmith to date, and I can't actually say that I've ever spoken to a blacksmith, I don't think, so really excited about today's episode. First of all, how have you gone with the impact of corona and all the rest, and... What sort of impact has that had on you and the business? And
1: yeah, well, uh, well, it was all a bit of a all a bit of a shock, really, <laughs> for everyone. Um, yeah, look, we got hit pretty hard um, in the you know in the quarter, so you know we we're about 57% down on last year, which is uh, quite significant. Um, and if it wasn't for the uh, the government. Um, bringing in the job keeper, we'd, we'd be in a bit of trouble. Um, although, having said that, we uh, we have had a few, quite a few interesting jobs come in um, due to um, people not being able to get hold of stuff, um, like manufactured items and bits and pieces. So that's kind of kept us sticking along.
0: And commissions, I guess, dried up during yeah. this period?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we had a couple of big jobs um, fall through um, because of the, the economic downturn. Um, so, yeah, they've, uh, hopefully they'll come back online uh, down the track. But, yeah, at the moment they've been pulled. So.
0: And is that your sole source of income for the business, the commissions? I noticed you've got a couple of online workshops or yep. a, a place online where people can book in to do a workshop. Are they done face-to-face or online? or?
1: Yeah, no, the courses are, are, are done face-to-face. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, blacksmithing is not something you can really teach um, online. Um. Yeah. So there's nothing like that hands-on experience. Um. Yeah. So well, I actually had a course booked in. Um. For for March and and that got canned. Um. Yeah. So due to the restrictions. Due to the restrictions. On, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. You got it. It's got to be face to face. Yep. Um. Yeah. So hopefully. uh Hopefully that'll kick off again soon. Yeah. And if we we'll
0: come to your business model and all the rest a little bit later on, but. If we can go back to the start, how does, I understand you used to be a carpenter, is that right?
1: You yeah, you? yeah, yeah, so I started off um, my working life, yeah, doing a carpentry apprenticeship back when I was 18. 18? Yeah.
0: And yeah. How, did, how does a man go about making the decision to go from carpenter to blacksmith? It obviously, uh, must have been a yeah. fair amount of inspiration there somewhere.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely look at school. Um, I was exposed to metalwork, you know, I went to a, I went to a tech school and um so that's where i've you know i discovered that i was quite um quite passionate about working with steel um i did woodwork as well but uh i couldn't stand it <laughs> to be <laughs> honest which is quite ironic um but yeah look and art as well quite inspired you know with everything to do with the arts um so i did studio art and like and and tech drawing and a few other bits and pieces uh, but i wasn't exposed and um wasn't exposed to blacksmithing until, um, by chance, just came across them at the Warburn and Country Festival um, back when I was about 17. And uh, it happened to be the Australian Blacksmiths Association um, of Victoria. And, uh, yeah, I, I, they had a tent there and they were doing some demonstrations. Uh, yeah, I, I was just mesmerised by these guys and how they were able to... Um, Manipulate steel in a way that I've never seen before.
2: Um,
1: yeah, and it, it just really grabbed me—the heat, the smell, the sound, yeah, everything. Just was like,
0: oh, I've got to do this. I gotta <laughs> just do a, this. like a sensory overload.
1: Oh, a little bit, a little bit. I was just drawn to it. Yep. Just drawn to it. I've never experienced anything quite like that. Yeah.
0: yeah, I must say it's growing up in Ballarat. You know, many trips, annual trips, just as well. Growing up in Ballarat, many annual trips to Sovereign Hill. Yeah. We used to see the some of the blacksmiths at work in the old sheds yep. up on the hill, yep. and it is quite spectacular when you go into one of these sheds and see you guys at work. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. It's a sound as well. I, yeah. <laughs> the anvil we've we got Maria. a bit of background noise in the background. <laughs> yeah. On the
0: anvil today, so yeah. Yeah. which is great to hear. It, it may not be coming through on the podcast, but it's quite loud in the in our little studio here.
1: Mm. So, which high school was this? Uh, Ringwood Secondary College, actually. Ringwood. Yeah, grew up in the burbs. Yep. Um, it was a pretty, uh, it was a pretty good school, pretty pretty big, I guess at the time, you know, like 1200 kids or something. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was good. I I was never really, I uh, was never really good at maths and you know English and that sort of stuff. I, or history, <laughs> ironically. Um,
0: yeah, there's a lot of history in blacksmithing, so.
1: Yeah, there's a heap. It goes back. You know, thousand odd years or something. It, it's um, it's pretty incredible, really. Uh, the yeah. Stories of
0: King Arthur and the oh, Anvil, and they all relate yeah. to blacksmithing somewhere along the line. Yeah, yeah. Making, Tower of London, John Sylvester.
1: Yeah, making making tools to make other things and making you know swords and armor and uh, you know. Are
2: you gates and... are you interested in all that sort of stuff, like the history of it, or more just the mo- like?
1: Oh yeah, look, I am. I'm. I'm, in, I'm interested in the history um, of blacksmithing, of course, um, definitely. Um, but my interest is more in the, I guess, in the twenties. It's like twenties, thirties, that kind of post-war, or pre-war, post-war, On era. Yeah, industrial revolution kind of stuff. Yeah.
2: And what, why? Why that particular era?
1: Um. Well, I guess that's when blacksmithing was um was used as um. For industry, like for making everything, yep. um, until you know the invention of the welder and you know uh, more modern techniques, you know blacksmiths basically did everything. Yeah. Um, if you, and if you needed something fixed, well, that's where you went. Um, so very different to nowadays. Um,
0: this is the age of the railroads and.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: they came a hundred years before or so, didn't they? But.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Still, as you say, it was era- made of. The Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and of course, yeah, building steam trains and, you know, all that's pretty, that's phenomenal kind of stuff. Um, those workshops, you know, the, the gear that they've got in, in places um, like that. And there's only a couple left around the country, too. Um, yeah, down in Tassie, up in Queensland, up in New South Wales. They're, they're still relatively intact. Yep. Um, yeah, pretty cool places. Puffing Billy. Sorry? Puffing Billy. Yeah, yeah, Puffing Billy (laughs) (laughs) on the small scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: Um, So, high school at Ringwood. Yep. Became a chippy. Did you finish year 12 or you.
1: No, no. I actually actually, uh, left at the end of year 11 and did an air conditioning apprenticeship or started one. And then I was laid off um, for, I can't even remember the reason. I think it was just a downturn. And uh, after summer, ironically. You know, take on an apprentice and then sack them at the end of the busy time. Oh, yeah. Get the, you know, get the bonus and then... Yeah. You know. Uh, a wrought, as it always. Oh, yeah, yeah, terrible. Uh, yeah, and anyway, um, my girlfriend at the time, um, her cousin's a chippy, and he's heard I was out of work. So, it's just like, hey, come work for me. i like, yeah, no worries. And that was it for about 20 years, basically. 20 years, right. 20 years I built houses. Yep. Um... But concurrently, I just had this passion for blacksmithing and um, taught myself as a hobby to start off with. And and then, as I was saying before, with the Australian Blacksmith Association, became a member uh, and learnt just all I possibly could um, through those guys. Spent about seven years with them um, under the tuition of um, Don Marshall, uh, Bill Bunting, those two guys. Unfortunately, now they're... Passed away, mm-hmm. um, but they did their apprenticeships at a place called Caslake's Engineering in Melbourne, and they did all the really um, high-end architectural ironwork throughout Melbourne, uh, university gates and um, the churches and all sorts. So um, yeah, I learned a lot of lot lot off those guys. And
0: yeah. that was in your own time while you yeah. were building houses. Yeah. So that was, basically yep. weekends. Yep. Uh, face-to-face learning. Yep. A lot of practical learning, I guess. It's not something you can learn online. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can try. You can try, but uh, you're not very frustrated. Yeah. Uh, you need someone to to really be there to say, "Hey, you need to stand a little bit closer to the anvil, and loosen your grip up on the hammer, and you know, yeah. pick up all these little um, little things that are that are big things in the long run. You know, like just purely." Things like getting the steel hot enough before you pull it out of the forge, you know, there's no point hitting a cold bit of steel, you know, it's just not going to, it's not going to move for you. It's
0: just equals back pain, does it?
1: Well, it equals pain all over, <laughs> 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 really, but uh, no, you just, you know, you know, it just just making life hard for yourself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So seven years of training basically yep. on your own but. Yep. Yep. Did you ever think you would be doing this full-time? Always
1: dreamt of doing it full-time. Yep. Um, So
0: it was definitely an an ambition there.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. It just never seemed to be the right time. Yep. Um, And I got stuck in a rut, I guess, of of just doing the same thing uh, because it was easy, I guess. Um, Easy but hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and then I just got to a point... Where I was like, "Geez, I'm not getting any younger. If I don't do this now, I probably won't. We'll never do it." So uh, I bit the bullet and um, found a space up here at Ashmore, and a uh, small, much smaller shed than what what I've got um, in front of us over there.
0: Yeah, it's quite a sizable shed.
1: Yeah, it's way. a decent size. How um, square yeah. metres would that be? Oh, I think it's nine. It's 9 by 10. Yeah. Yeah, so it's still small on, on shed scale, I guess, um, but it's big enough for what we need at the moment, but we've filled it. Yeah,
0: if we can go... Yeah. So you made the big leap, you said, and made the move down to Ashmore. Were you yep. living in Torquay at the time? Had you made the move to the surf coast?
1: Yeah, I moved down to Geelong, um, like, 2003, I think, and then lived in Anglesey for quite some... Years like I don't know, about nearly it was nearly thirteen years. I owned a house down there, but then rented it out for periods and um, lived in Torquay. Yeah, so I've been in Torquay now for about four years. Yeah, yeah. So Torquay for four
0: years. Um, what brought you to Torquay, other than blacksmithing? Was it a deliberate
1: move down here to do this, to pursue this as a career, or? Ah, uh, look, definitely moving. From Anglesey back up the road to Torquay, just to be close to the workshop mainly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just and to then, save the time in driving and so forth.
0: And that initial move to Anglesey, what what took you to Anglesey? Surfing. Surfing.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: So yeah. you do a lot of surfing when you're not, like, not blacksmithing?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Love the ocean. Um, yeah. Love getting into the ocean. Love surfing. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And yeah, you're interested in blacksmithing. Is it more the sculpture side of it or is it more the practical side? So, I mean, you talk about doing gates and things mm-hmm. like that.
1: Oh, look, it's definitely both um, for me. I love that you can um, make art practical. Yep. You know, not all of the time. I mean, sometimes it's great to be able to uh, just get loose and build a sculpture. Um, or, you know, it's great when you get paid, obviously, to, to, to do a sculpture, and that's where we've found ourselves. Um, the business has is, is kind of evolved over the last five years. It went from doing purely very um, sort of utilitarian kind of products, and like gates, and far side sets, and, you know, architectural, more the architectural kind of ironwork. Yep. Uh, and, and then it's kind of moved into this area where we've, you know, we're doing um, private sculptural commissions, public sculptural commissions, um, which is great. It's, um, that's where it, where it's really at for me. Um, and I, I'd still like doing gates and architectural work, um, but I'm, I'm more into the art um, sculptural side. Yeah, definitely.
0: And in terms of generating an income from day one, was that possible for you from day one? Was it something that took a long time? Like... A lot of our listeners, yeah. they listen in because they want to know how they take the leap from, you know, yeah. side hustler, freelancer yeah. to yeah. full time. What yeah. was some
1: of the decisions you had to make at the time? Oh, geez, look, um, my passion really drove, um, drove me to to be like to be fairly successful at what we do. Um, at the beginning, I relied pretty heavily on carpentry. Um, so I sort of did that. I did this on a on a part time basis. So I'd spend a couple of days, you know, out doing carpentry work, um, and then I'd spend a couple of days at the shed, and then a day doing um, marketing, basically. Yep. Um, so whether that was just cold cold calling architects, um, landscape gardeners, or landscape designers, like well, landscape architects really, um, and setting up meetings and you know, saying, hey, this is what we do. Uh, you know, we'd love to have some of our work and your landscapes or, you know, architectural line work and houses. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely important to spend that one day doing that. Uh, and then it gradually, as um, my work started to get out there, I was able to transition from less carpentry to, to more um, in the workshop doing what I really want to do. Um. Yeah, it was a hard road.
0: And that was for many years.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the first three years, pretty much. Just grafting yeah. and grinding. Yeah, was tough. It was tough. Uh, a lot of, a uh, lot of, a uh, lot of times. I think, you know, I think probably three times I nearly closed the doors. Yep. I was like, right, oh, this is too, too hard. Just go back to construction. Yep. Yep. yep, but um, I just couldn't do it. Yeah, so <laughs> I a, do it your passion that kept you going. Yep, absolutely. I just had this drive to just, just keep going. And I, I was lucky that I had a couple of mentors as well, um, guys that I respect within the, within the blacksmithing um industry. And uh, they were like, David, just gotta keep going. You know, just keep going, keep plugging away, keep just don't stop. It'll happen. It's like, oh my God, really? <laughs> On your uh, knees? Yeah, but uh, look, it. Uh, there was literally a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Literally, literally, literally. blood. Literally, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, in, in the fourth year, it just started to happen.
0: Just the like, fourth wow. year would would have been which year?
1: So it would have been the end of um 2018. 18. Yeah. yeah, coming in 19, and then last year was just huge. Yep. So yep.
0: 2019, massive year, and then yep. obviously the impact of Corona this year. <laughs> Everything just stopped. just stopped again. So, yeah. Do you feel like you're starting
1: again? Uh, look, not you know, yeah. Look, I've been thinking about that recently. Um, in a way, it, it's kind of it, it's a, it's, a, it's it's difficult for it to come to a bit of a halt. Because uh, we felt like we just had this momentum going, um, but uh, look, I think that we, we, everything will be okay. We just got to keep, as long as we keep operating, yeah, we'll be okay. Like we'll come out. So
0: yeah, restrictions to... are starting to ease, aren't they?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: Do you rely on government grants and things like that, or
1: are uh, through this period, or just in the past?
0: Uh, in the past, and I guess going yeah. forward. Yeah.
1: Yeah, look, I've applied for um, quite a few grants, like arts-based um, grants for for doing um, sculpture works, uh, and then you know exhibiting sculpture works. Um, haven't been successful in getting any of them yet. But the grant the grant writing world is um, quite challenging. Um, yeah, so we'll see. I've got a little bit more of a um, I'm a little bit more successful with doing expressions of interest at this stage yeah. um, for, you know, tendering for sculptural jobs. I'm, yeah, I've got a few of those. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, um, I think Harriet's got a, doing a uh, a presentation sort of workshop coming up yep. about grant writing. This is Harriet
0: from the Surf Coast yep. Shire.
1: Yep. Uh, so, I'll be attending that just to see... Uh, if there's anything that uh, I'm not doing yeah. right, or the things I am doing right, etc.
0: I did see that on the radio, and I think me and Jess are going to attend as well. So yeah, we'll see you there. See
1: you there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, getting
0: back to cold calling and marketing tactics, like that must have been pretty intimidating. Calling up the local architectural firm and yeah. saying, "Hey guys, this is what I do." How did you go about that? I Imagine, like that wouldn't even be a thought for some people. Like they just could not do that. But that was a fairly natural thing for you.
1: Uh, look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was natural necessarily. Um, it, it was definitely a couple of deep breaths, yeah, you know, before dialing the number. But, uh, look, I think if you're confident in what you do, mm-hmm. I think that's believing in what you're believing in your ability. Um, I think's the biggest challenge for any artist or you know even trade you know, trade craftsmen. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, um, if you trust that your work is, you know, is good enough and yep. that people want it, then um, that comes across, I think, when you, when you speak to someone. For sure. Um, and you just got to remember that they're no different to you. You know, they might be like this big, scary kind of, you know, head architect or whatever, you know, principal architect of a firm. But really, at the end of the day... Um, they're probably going to be just as into it as what you are, like yep. once they discover um, what it is that you do. Yep. Um, and, yeah, that's been my experience. Um, I think I've only had one one or two not-backs out of probably 15 oh, tog calls. That's awesome. You yeah. must be really good at it then. Oh, yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. I think people are, are, are just more like, oh, I'm a blacksmith. <laughs> yeah. Really? It's unusual. In, yeah. yeah, it's unusual. So that it's it, it sparks their... Uh, They're just intrigued by it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can, (laughs) yeah, sure. Yeah, we can, we can set up a meeting, (laughs) you know. It's
0: not, hey, I'm calling about the solar panels on your roof. It's, hey, I'm a blacksmith. You've immediately got their attention.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, Yeah, it's definitely a bit of a leg up, but um, just because it's fairly unusual.
0: Have you got a sales, mm. <laughs> a sales script for our listeners? Sorry? A sales script for our listeners? Ah,
1: no, no. <laughs> it's locked not really. away in the vault. <laughs> yeah, not really. Oh, look, I think you just got to be yourself. Yeah. Be yourself, be be confident, um, yep. just believe in what you do, and uh, and be upfront. I think it's a, it's a bit of a lost art, isn't it, the cold call?
0: Because, you know, so much of our interaction these days is social media and email. Yeah. Even to get a call from someone who's passionate about what they do. Yeah. It's pretty unusual, so... Might be a tactic for those listening in and trying to get new work and new clients.
1: Oh, look, I think it's definitely... um, You know, you can send someone an email, but it's probably going to end up in a junk box or they'll just look at it and they might receive 20 20 or 30 emails of that nature every Mm -hmm. week. And they're just like, we don't have the time to sit down and reply. Yeah. But if you call them... Yeah. They're like, hey, this guy's serious, or woman, you know. These guys are serious, so they're, you know, they're, they're not just sitting there on their computer, you know. Yeah. Um, and I know for me, definitely, if someone comes down to my workshop and says, hey, I really love blacksmithing, you know, um, how do I get into it? Oh, you know, or I'd be like, yeah, I'll sit down and spend an hour having a chat. No problem at all. But if someone sends me an email... Nothing. I'll reply to it. Yeah. But I won't take it anywhere near as seriously.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Well, that's actually good to know. And I've noticed it's a bit of a thing on the surf coast as well to not reply to emails, and Mm. a lot of people prefer the phone. I don't know if it's something about a smaller community, you'd just rather face-to-face. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Or a phone call.
1: Yeah. But I I definitely think, yeah, phone calls definitely... uh, well yeah words you know yeah you're far better off having a conversation or even a face to face like I've done that I've rocked up to places and just yeah. knocked on the door yeah like <laughs> whoa <laughs> you know? jeez <laughs> <Like>, with <laughs> a hammer in hand and <laughs> oh, no. Nah. but people aren't you know people aren't used to it but I guess coming from that trade background yeah, yeah um you know trades who are listening you know that you know that that's what they do you know that's what you do if you need work yeah.
2: Yeah, that's, you know, that's how drop. I've got my, like, not jobs like this, but jobs in the past is walking in to somewhere and asking, can I speak to someone? And they're going to remember you, remember your, like, over th- those 10 emails that you get. Like, yep. you, you just make an impact. Yep. And that's yep. obviously worked for you. Like
1: Yeah, you know. yeah, definitely. Uh, and it's definitely, it's definitely worked in the past, you know, like, um, on the tools. Uh, you know, you rock up. You know, you make sure you're not, you know, your underwear's not hanging out of your shorts, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but, you know, you don't have to dress up in a suit because that's not what you do. Yeah. But, you know, make yourself neat, put on your cleaner boots so that your toes aren't hanging out. <laughs> and, you, you know, you rock up and you say, g'day, I'm, you know, ask for the site supervisor. And say, hey, this is who I am. I'm after work, you know. And and nine times out of ten, if they've got work, they'll say, I'll see you tomorrow morning. and we will yep. see how you go. Yep. yep. I think that could
0: apply to many industries, not just tradies as well. So, yep. good tip for our listeners. So, you talked about your income from sculpting and architectural work. I noticed you've got a couple of online courses as well. Yep. Uh, is there, is that a big focus for you, the workshops? Oh, look, definitely.
1: Um, I think that... Uh, I just, think... Just, yeah, I think everyone... Uh, should um, know how to do this stuff, you know. Like have a crack, you know. Like it's it's really good fun. Um, the courses uh, are definitely a big focus, um, particularly in the long term, like business-wise. Like I'm not going to be swinging a hammer when I'm 70. Yeah. Um, as well as when I'm doing it now. So, but if I can teach it, um, you know, that's that's great. So, uh, and I really enjoy it too. I enjoy um, passing on um, my skills, my knowledge that I've built over 20 odd years. Um, I believe that you never stop learning as well. So, you know, like even when you're teaching a course, sometimes you you might do something and you go, oh,
2: something <laughs> might happen. Something like, new. Oh, I just learned something. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: that's <laughs> right. Or a student might say something, you know, like, oh,
2: yeah, <laughs> you I like, thought of it that way.
1: Yeah, um, because you know, fresh eyes as well. Sometimes people see things in a different way, and uh, I think being always being open to that is a good thing. Yeah, so um, look, the, the courses that I run, the beginners course, um, is yeah, two day course that I run here, and uh, it's uh, it's one on one, which is fairly unusual. Yeah. um, most um, people run. Um, courses at least, you know, maybe minimum of two or, you know, usually five or, you know, yeah. um, Waterside Metal Art in Footscray, they run courses too. Um, Steve down there, I, I know them, um, Steve and Luke, um, I know them really well and, and they run, uh, courses out of there and I think they run 10 at a time, 10 students at a time. So one-on-one, just more unique, more special? Yeah, it's more concentrated. You yep. can you can spend, you know, more time, and you, know, you don't have a student sort of standing there wondering what yeah. to do. Yeah. You can, you can hone in and and um, make sure that they get a really good, you know, experience. Yeah. From it.
0: And obviously, you can charge a premium for that if it's one-on-one.
1: It's more. Oh, look. I think. Um. Yeah. Look, our courses are nine hundred bucks. Um. Yep. For for two days, which is pretty reasonable. Um, across the board I think they they sort of range from 600 to sort of 900 range for, for a two day course that's two full days yeah two full days yep. yeah yeah.
2: one on one that's amazing yeah yeah
1: just and then at the end of the you know with the beginners course um, you know they end up with something that they can take home with them that they've made um, whether it's a you know a little warm out of coat rack or yeah you know whatever it is um, that's usually what it is because it's it we teach, you know, the basic the basic skills, uh, and uh, a coat rack, a simple war manner coat rack, um, has all those elements, all those little, like, the, all the skills that you learn, all the beginner skills. Yep. That basically that covers the range, yeah, so in building that. So yeah. yeah, at the end of that, uh, the two days, they can come home and screw it on the wall, you know. Hey, yeah. I've made that. You know, <laughs> It's pretty cool. It's cool, it's cool to see, uh, you know, a smile on someone's face after two days, you know, they've never, they might have never picked up a hammer, yeah. ever, mm-hmm. you know, and at the end of the two days be able to take away something that they're, they're proud of. It's pretty, pretty rad. So regardless of
0: skills you'll take, anyone yep. who wants to do the course you yep. don't have to have any prerequisites no. or... Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Like, mostly male participants or you get a lot of girls as well? Um,
1: look, so far it's been mostly, mostly uh, males. Um, however, um, uh, I did have a lady who I was inquiring about a course just before um, the lockdown happened. Yep. And we we're actually literally about to line up a weekend. Um, so hopefully... Uh, Hopefully, I can get in touch with her, and she'll still want to do it.
0: And is there a marketing plan behind the workshops? Or you basically list them on the website, and people just come across them?
1: Well, basically, uh, I I don't tend to advertise them otherwise, like, really, um, because at this stage, um, if I had too many people wanting to do courses, you know, it would affect our um, day-to-day operations, so... But having said that, um, it is nice to be able to, you know, run at least um, maybe two or three courses every couple of months. Every couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if people get in touch via the website, so I've got them listed there and um, they can fill out an inquiry form and, and then we can chat about dates and and times and I that, actually
0: yeah. I, I saw it on your website and I'm actually thinking about it so yep what's <laughs> all these restrictions eh? yeah yeah absolutely oh, it would be great to get in there and learn yeah. the different skills totally different skills that you'd probably wouldn't use all that often but to know that skill set
1: you never know you might be crazy. find that so, um, yeah. you're like oh my god I'm going to be doing this <laughs> next
0: minute got a shirt out the back yeah, of, an, yeah. an anvil and yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: annoying your neighbours <laughs> right. sorry neighbours no. yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so I guess we just touched a little bit on your routine. So mm-hmm. you got, you talked about your day to day work and then the workshops on the weekend. Yeah. What's a typical day look like for you?
1: Well, typical day, uh, is, is, um, you know, rocking up to the workshop around 8:30 in the morning. We yep. don't start horrendously early. I didn't enough of that. During no 5am uh,
0: starts and 100 push-ups at no. the front?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. Look, it's nice to go for a surf, if I can, um, before work. Uh, it's a little bit harder in winter, as we mm. all know.
0: Where do you typically surf?
1: A oh, look, just like um, on the goofy. So, you know, Drano's yep. or, you know, boobs left or whatever. you know, yep. Or down the coast. Uh, a bit more. Um, yeah, so if I... Uh, I can get a surfing in the morning that's always good. Um, sometimes I just like to get into the workshop as early as I can and cuz I'm really looking forward to what I'm going to be doing that day. Uh, you know, I've got something in my head and I'm like, "Oh, right. Got to get that, you know, got to get that out." Yep. Um, yeah, so and I do have um, I do have a trainee, Maria. Mhm. Um, She's busy in the workshop she's, this morning. She's ultra busy in the workshop right we can, now. We
0: can hear Maria. In yeah, the yeah,
1: workshop. yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, we'll we'll rock up and um, we'll usually have laid out what we need to do uh, the day before. Yeah. And um, we've got a like a, you know, a job board, and um, yeah, we'll usually have a chat about what we're going to do the, the night before, and and then so when we get to the workshop, have a coffee, have a chat about it, and then like the forges, get into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's usually pretty structured, I guess. We'll, we'll usually work on one job at a time, one commission at a time. Um, that's the way I like to, to run things. I don't really like to have multiple jobs, um, going at once. It, it just it does something to my head. It's like, yeah, I like to be able to concentrate creatively on one thing and then put my energy, into that, so it's
0: hundred percent focused on yep. one
1: task, yeah. Rather than multitasking, yeah. I mean, sometimes that doesn't happen, yep. and you've got multiple jobs happening just purely because of um, time frames with clients. Um, you know, sometimes it's unavoidable. So we might have, you know, maybe two or three big um, sculptural jobs running, and then little fabrication jobs. We do, we do, a, do a little bit of fabrication. Um, it's pretty much unavoidable. These days, uh, and it, it, but it is good also um, to be able to um, do the odd fabrication job. They they're usually pretty quick and.
2: So is that where someone comes to you and says, "Can you copy that?" Or what do you mean by fabrication? Oh, so
1: sorry, yeah. So fabrication, so like just cutting with grinders and oh, okay. plasma cutters and and welding things up. So it's it's pretty much what a um, what a, a a manufacturer would do, like let's say in Geelong or just wherever. You know, building building, um, things that aren't necessarily that creative. Um, Very practical (laughs) things. Structural. Structural. Yeah, yeah, whether it's structural steel work, for buildings like beams and stuff like that. Um, Or, you know, trailers. Um, Uh, Yep. You know, basically anything that's made out of steel. Furniture. Um, We do do the odd repair job as well. Uh, Yeah. Whether it's trailers or... You know, some, I, I welded up um, a guy's um, stainless steel stools <laughs> the, other, the other week. And how did he find you? Uh, through Bombora. Okay. Through Bombora, I think. are yep. uh, a custom
0: yeah. furniture maker.
1: Sorry? They're a custom yeah, furniture maker yeah, here. Yeah, so Bombora, yeah, um, custom furniture are here as well. Uh, so, yeah, Luke and Alison. Yeah, so I think Luke uh, had a client. Um, yeah, I don't know how it how exactly came off, but yeah, someone got in touch and... I just remember welding up their stools thinking, oh my god, I hope this guy didn't pay 200, you know, $200 odd dollars for these because they were pretty awful. <laughs> just really lightweight and flimsy. But um, yeah, apparently they were like 250 bucks a stool. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh my god. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I welded them up for him and might get a, you know, a couple of years out of them. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they were falling apart. That yeah.
0: sounds like a pretty full day. Anyway, so I gather... Blacksmithing is a pretty physical job.
1: Yeah, look it is it is it is quite physical. Um you don't necessarily have to be like really physically strong. Yep. Um per se. Because like anything, it's technique. Yep. Um as long as you've got the right technique and you have shown that from the get go, um pretty much anyone can do it. So it's more about finesse and
0: knowing Definitely. how to work with the metal?
1: Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. You don't um, have to be the Hulk.
0: No. To be carrying, you know.
1: No. I mean, you know, when you do get into um, large-scale sculpture works um, with, with bigger sections of steel, you know, and we're dealing with solid steel. We're not, you know, using tube, techni- you know, typically. We do use a bit of, bit of heavy-gauge tube in our sculpture works. Um, but, yeah, so it's mainly pretty big stuff. Um, so, therefore, it's pretty heavy. But we've got a gantry in the workshop. As well, so you know you just learn how to, you learn how to, um, how to work in a way that you know you you um using other ways of handling ma- material, so you're not physically um, stuffing yourself.
0: You Man, know. Jess, are both sitting here wondering what a gantry is.
1: Oh, sorry. So a gant- gantry, uh, our gantry um, block and tackle. So it's a, it's a, basically an, uh, an A-frame construction, two A-frames either side with a big beam going across the top. Yep. Uh, It's about three and a half metres high and it's got this block and tackle, which is a lifting device with a chain on it and you can adjust it. So you hook whatever you want on to to lift Ah. and then you... um, mechanically just uh, operate the block and tackle and you can lift things it's got a three ton capacity alright
0: so you can shift some pretty big stuff
1: well I could li- li- lift that um, my ute out there if I wanted to <laughs> and uh, my golf
0: like you could put that on there and lift yep, it up quite definitely. easily yeah <laughs> needs a bit of work too so yeah um, so I gather you don't need a gym membership it's pretty active You're no surfing. you don't need a gym
1: ma- membership at all Is
0: health and fitness really important for you
1: uh, look definitely um it definitely is. Um, you got to be, uh, you got to be a bit careful with with what we do, because um, it is, it, it would be pretty easy to injure yourself if you do the wrong thing. Um, has its, um, has its like physical um, dangers, um, but as long as you're aware and you learn the right techniques, you're, you're pretty right. But yeah, I I definitely um, health and fitness is important. So yeah, it's surfing. Yoga. I don't do as much yoga as I used to, um, which is silly, but because uh, it does cause help.
0: It time constraints or?
1: Yeah, time constraints, maybe just habits as well. I um, guess
0: classes have shut down too recently, so it's been quite hard to get in there and actually do it.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you've got to be pretty motivated to do it at home. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so look, um, yeah, health and fitness is definitely important Yeah, to me.
0: So health and fitness, Uh, we talked a little bit about your daily routine. Can we get into, uh, we like to ask a big question for all our guests on the Surf Coast Creators podcast, and it's about creativity. So we talk about creativity and whether or not it's something you are born with or something that can be nurtured. There's Mm -hmm. a camp that believes you're destined to be a lawyer or an accountant or an engineer or... Yeah. Um, and don't have a great deal of time for creativity, you might say. And then there's the camp that believes it can be nurtured. Which, which do you believe?
1: Good question. Um, yeah. Look, I, I believe that it's genetic. Um, for sure.
0: You're, you're the first guest who has said that, so this is good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I, I do believe it's genetic. Um, purely because my from my own experience, and from, I guess, from people I've come into contact with, other creatives over the years. Um, look, my, my mum um, is, is quite creative, paints, uh, well, when she was younger, she did quite a lot of painting and drawing, and um, quite musical as well, like plays guitar. And, but my dad, I wouldn't say he's creative in an arts-based way, mm-hmm. he's very practical. Uh, he's a mechanical engineer as well, um, very hands-on. So as I was growing up, it was always like Dad was very hands-on fixing stuff. I never had a whole heap of money. We're okay. Yep. Um, we never did without, let's put it that way. Um, but it was due to my folks being very resourceful. Yep. So, you know, if our car broke down, Dad would fix it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, be out in the garage winter, you know like beanie like all the jacket we had a had a pit in the garage oh right yeah yeah is yeah. that had dedicated a, yeah, yeah yeah had a pit in the garage so you'd drive the car over the top i think yeah. you know, i don't think they're legal now
0: no i think they took them out a few
1: yeah years yeah ago. and uh yeah so I'd be out there passing spanners and and stuff you know and mum would uh mum would go oh you know dinner's ready and you know come inside and and, uh, and, yeah, anyway, so dad's very practical. Mum's um, very creative. So I think I got passed on both due to um, genetics and experiences. Yep. So I was exposed to just this, if it's busted, you fix it. Mm-hmm. You don't throw it in the bin, yeah. you know. Um, so because I've grown up around that and my dad renovated our house, like he was forever renovating it. It was an old 50s weatherboard. You know, bought it cheap, and then extension, 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 and then I ended up renovating it because then became you know a carpenter, and then so I, I did a couple of extensions on it in the later years. So
0: this is a three bedroom in Ringwood that's turned into an eight bedroom. Yeah, house. <laughs> just about <laughs> yeah. the full room and all. Yeah, I think
1: it's like five bedroom now. Yeah, or right. Something. But uh, that, just bathroom.
0: listening to you there, like it actually sounds like your dad is quite creative. He's an engineer and he's, you know, methodical in his processes. Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, definitely. But in more of a in, in definitely creative uh with problem solving and creative in in fixing things and in that very um sort of utilitarian manner. Yeah. But um if you know, if you asked him to build a sculpture, he'd, he'd just be like what? You yeah. <laughs> wouldn't I don't think know where What's to start. Sculpture? But like mum, if they work together <laughs> I reckon they yeah, they come they, up with something. Yeah, they'd be able to do it. So look, the creativity for me is something that I've learnt that I've that, that that's in me.
2: Yeah.
1: I think and and uh it took a long while to realise that it affected my mental health. Yep. If I wasn't being creative, um you can mask it and I masked it by mm. surfing. Yeah. So I'd just surf my brains out when I could and then just do this very mundane. Very practical building houses that people think they need. You know, <laughs> I, I I don't. I'm a bit jaded when it comes to the building industry. Um, but yeah. So. Uh,
0: I think there'd be a lot of tradies listening in with.
1: Oh yeah. Similar feelings. Yeah.
0: I mean, two of two out of our first three guests came from a carpentry background. So. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, I've met a lot of guys and and women for that matter who are in the building industry. Um, that you know, just like, oh my God, I oh, just, you feel the weight of the tool belt in the morning. You're like, oh my God, just another day. Yep. You know, On the tools. Yes, another day.
2: So was that, when you talked about mental health, mm-hmm. like masking that, was that something that you were going through that made you go, okay, I want to do the part-time, um, business, mm-hmm. you know, make it into a business. Yeah. Like what was going through your head? Yeah. That made you... Like, take the plunge, I guess.
1: Yeah, look, a, a lot of it, it was just pure frustration Yeah. with the building industry. Frustration with not really doing something that, that uh, lit me up. Yeah. You know, what I do now lights me up. Yeah. And, yeah, my advice to anyone who's listening is, yeah, do what lights you up. Bugger it. You only live once. Yeah. You know, you can't. It's not a, Yeah, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a practice run life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's good advice. Yeah. Going to come to the big life advice at the end of the episode, but I think that's very on point, especially um, in current conditions. Like oh, yeah. Corona has shown how short life can be. Yeah. For in and, you know, if you we think we've, we've, are all set and we've, yeah, everything's set in place and set in stone, but it's, it's clearly not, is it?
1: No, no, it's very fragile. And, and adding um,
0: to that, the chaos in America at the moment, like there's just so much uncertainty oh. and volatility. So.
1: Oh, look, that's a whole other um, conversation, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, look, um, uh, just on that actually, uh, I saw a post um, by another um, guy who was actually had a workshop out here, Um painter, indigenous painter, yep. and um, he put up a post <clears throat> saying, hey, never mind what's going on in the States, have a look what's going on in our own backyard um deaths in custody you know indigenous uh, people of this country is just it's just disgusting and that goes on and it, and it's still going on yep um and we overlook it and we can't anymore yeah. so i know that it's a bit heavy um but yeah it's just something that it came up on my feed this morning and i was like oh you're not wrong
2: yeah
1: yeah, yeah. oh yeah it's got to stop yeah there's all sorts of
0: issues underlying issues in community society yeah. that we need to deal with and
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: But I think getting back to that point of, you know, living in the moment, and yep. making most of your your talents and your Yeah. definitely. If we can talk for a minute about inspiration, so Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you've got your own internal inspiration. Sounds like you're really passionate about what you do. It's clear yep. with the workshop and everything else and all the success you've had to date. Who inspires you?
1: Who inspires me? Um like other other makers or
0: uh, let's go for other makers. Yep. And then outside of your blacksmithing world.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so, in, in the blacksmithing world, um, definitely um, Albert Paley, um, the sculptor in the States. Um, he does large-scale works and has done for many years. Um, yeah, unbelievable. So, he's a big inspiration. Um, locally um or in australia he's actually in tassie um pete matilla uh, another blacksmith um he's a bit older than me a little bit older i think i think Pete's. um but yeah he uh he definitely inspires me like the way he approaches his work the work that he produces and his passion and i've done a little bit of um work alongside pete actually um couple of years ago at the last blacksmithing festival we did a, a huge sculptural collaboration that was headed by jake james um from um canada and uh yeah it was uh 12 of us um all got together and, and built the sculpture called many hands and it's it basically um is a is about um cultures all coming together oh, wow. Um, yeah, so that was uh, that was pretty rad, but working alongside Pete, you know and and all the other guys that were involved, you know you feed off each other's creative energy uh, yeah it was phenomenal. So yeah definitely Pete um, I
0: imagine that's a pretty tight community too, isn't it the blacksmithing community in Australia?
1: Yeah, it definitely is yeah yeah and and I think with social media as well that it helps uh, significantly because we're all we're all usually very, you know, segregated in our own little workshops, hidden away, just doing yeah. our own thing. And we don't get to get, we don't get to come together very often because um, we're just so busy doing our thing. Um, so social media kind of, when we can't do that, we, we can see what each other's doing. And uh, like on Instagram yeah. particularly, uh, which, is, which is pretty cool.
0: I think yeah. that's how we picked up on your page and then... Uh, you reached out to us and asked to be on the on the podcast. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. The power of social media,
1: yeah, connection. Yep, yeah, definitely. It's got its downsides, but it's definitely yeah. got its upsides. Yeah, no, it does have its positives. Um, look, yeah, so um, uh, and and definitely in the past, like guys like um, Francis uh, Whittaker, uh, Master Smith, um, his work was incredible. Samuel Yellen, as well. Um, I think. Uh, Francis Whitick actually worked in Samuel Yellen's workshop for a while. But they're all their masters. Yeah, in incredible um, history of, of works and
0: What are you looking at to become a master of blacksmithing? You're looking at about fifty years of <laughs> <laughs> the
1: Yeah. Workshop? Look, yeah, someone someone who came into the workshop uh, jokingly goes, uh what do you say? I oh, say so you're the master and, and pointed at Marie and said, oh, Are you the you know, the apprentice and <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I I wouldn't call myself a master. I don't, I don't know. Look, I think that, uh, yeah, I don't know whether I like the term necessarily, master, because I I believe that you never stop learning, you know, if you're open to it. Um, And I'm still learning, like I'm still learning how to do what I do better or different. And, or it's, it's really just a, particularly with the art side of it, it's just this, some um, need to further my, what I, wherever whatever I'm going with it, I guess it's hard to sort of explain. Um, yeah, but you just learn different techniques and different way of doing things, and by just, um, by just yeah, just by doing, by work, by doing what you do. Yep. Yeah.
0: So that's your inspiration inside blacksmithing. Anyone outside of that world?
1: Oh, Look, I don't know whether whether I would say anyone outside is a outside blacksmithing is uh, is really. Oh, actually, having said that, as far as other artists go, um, who I admire, I guess more so, it'd be um, Brett Whiteley. Brett Whiteley? Yep. Yeah, his his work was just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, so loose. <laughs> so loose like not just uninhibited um it just yeah if you, like how it, it like alchemy the painting he did you know it's just like there's dust, so it's so big like goes around the corner of the studio and like i remember going up to his studio in Surrey hills and um yeah that he's that his wife still runs like yeah. and keeps open and uh yeah, you just can spend so much time looking at that painting from a distance and you walk close to it, like within a foot, and you can and like, he's written little tiny little like words in places and that you wouldn't see if you didn't get close to it and then there'll be a bird, like a stuffed yeah. bird coming out like literally <laughs> that's been stuck onto the canvas. Like He's telling
0: just... a story always, isn't he? Oh,
1: it's mind blowing stuff.
0: And yeah. you see his stuff online, you think, oh, yeah, it's just a little painting. And then you actually see his stuff in real life. And you, as you say, it's massive. Yeah, like, yeah. To pull that off on such a scale yeah. is quite a skill.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I remember uh, watching a, a, a doco of his um, a while ago. And he said, he said, oh, look, if I can give any... Ad- I don't know if it, I don't know it's exactly how he said it. But he said something like, oh, if I can... Give any advice to, you know, to someone who wants to be a painter or an artist. He said, buy some charcoal, some, you know, and some paper and pens and whatever and just start drawing. And through utter frustration will become what I call difficult pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, sometimes I feel like that, you know, with what I do. You get so frustrated at times, you know, with the creative process, you know, and then all of a sudden it happens. You're
0: like, oh, there it is. It's like you're too far down the rabbit hole. Yeah. You need to come back up for air. Yeah. Just to see where you've gone. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Yeah.
0: Well, that's interesting. Brett Whiteley and a mm. few big names in the blacksmithing industry.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, We're getting up to close to an hour, so... I probably haven't even scratched the surface on blacksmithing and the trade and the process and all the rest. So I appreciate your transparency though and honesty. No worries. If we can wrap up the podcast just by ask, ask, asking you about advice and you know people who are out there listening in, they're you know they're passionate about what they do. It might be a freelancer, side hustler. Um, they want to take that leap from part time to full time. What would your number one piece of advice be for those
1: people? Start. Start. <laughs> don't stop. Three I mean, that, words: start, yeah.
0: don't stop. I think it's, it's great advice. It's simple. Yeah. Direct. And it, you know, being a photographer, a copywriter, a content writer, um, I can relate to that totally because you get so frozen sometimes and worrying about what people think and all the rest and.
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: Other people's opinions, and then, am I good enough, and all the questions. But if you start, it mm. just eradicates all of that, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah. Believe in believe in what you do. Do it.
0: Just do it. Just do it.
1: Yep. That was the advice
0: of our guest on episode three. Actually, just do it. So
1: yeah, just do it, and um, yeah. yeah, don't 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 let anyone else tell you you can't do it. You know, don't. Yeah, I mean. There's a, I guess there's a balance between taking, making stupid decisions and taking silly risks, you know? But I guess it's all relative to a degree, you know? I mean, it depends on your perspective and all the rest of it in your life experience. But yeah, look, if you don't take risks as well, then it, then it won't happen either. So you gotta wait up, do what's right for you, don't let anyone talk you out of it. If you really, if it's what you got to do, it's what you got to do.
0: I think very good advice. It's got me inspired. Like I do a lot of photography myself, and my Olympus is officially dead. It's been dead for a couple of months now, so <laughs> I've been delaying on buying a new camera and getting a new setup and getting out there early mornings, sunrises, sunset, and actually taking some photos. So I'm going to take that advice on board and just. Get out there, get a new camera yeah. to start yeah. <laughs> Maybe get my old one fixed. Yeah. And just do it. Yeah. Start. Awesome. And keep keep taking photos. So, any last words from you, Jeffs?
2: No, just thanks for having us here and um, yeah, chatting no to worries. us today. It was really good, no really worries. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, cool. It's fun. Yeah, it was
0: good. Yeah, really appreciate your time today, David. Um, if people want to come and see the sh- workshop, can they do so right now or?
1: Uh, yeah, they can. Um, you don't want just, random visitors. <laughs> uh, yeah, it looks better You know, if someone wants to come down if they're really interested in what we do. Um, yeah, just um, give us a buzz. Just get on the phone, give us a ring and um, organize the time. Cold call for Dave. That's it. And social media, where can we follow you? Uh, you can follow us uh, at Simply Forge Custom Mindworks um, on Instagram. Instagram? Yeah. yeah. Any Facebook well? So... Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do Facebook anymore.
0: No Facebook, yeah. just Insta. Yeah. Uh, Dave, thanks very much again for your time today, no listeners. Worries. If you're tuning in, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the Surf Coast Creatives podcast, surfcoastcreatives.com, and you can subscribe there. Also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and just search search for the podcast wherever you find your favourite podcast. Dave, once again, thank you very much. We'll
1: let you get back to it. No worries. Cheers.